Hello, my name is Ben. My name's Andrew. And we are your hosts of the Too Vague Podcast this week. One word, two hosts, stories, trivia, and video games. Heavy on the trivia. <laughs> Heavy on the trivia for Andrew. Heavy on the video games for Ben. That's right. You know, it all it all balances out. We all meet in the middle, and then with a sprinkling of Pringles later on. Yes, Pringle dust. Magic Pringle dust. Right. From our... Hopefully soon to be sponsor, Pringles. Yes. I didn't know if you were going to refer to our Pringles sponsor or our Walmart. Oh, that's right. Spoiler alert. This episode's uh, variety of Pringles is the hot honey flavor. Yes. Only available at Walmart. Right. And you can order them online so you don't actually have to go to Walmart. I mean, I like Walmart, but where are all the beautiful people? Yeah. Hey, you know, this is uh, on the premise of Walmart. Uh No, I'm getting ahead of ourselves. No, but uh, this is actually not about Walmart. It's about Target. Oh, okay. In the news this week, Target's closing a bunch of stores. Three of them that they're closing are in the Portland area. Okay. Two of the particular Target stores that they're closing, they were uh, made inside the buildings of former bowling alleys. That's an interesting architectural sort of move. It is. It's interesting. That's the right word. It's kind of a bad move, but yeah, first we had one, one bowling alley target. Then we had two bowling alley targets and now we're going to have no bowling alley targets. They're former bowling alley targets, right? They're not, it's not like they have the bowling alley in the target. No, no. It's just the same. It's a bowling alley building. Yeah. So what's that one that's down by the safe house? Yeah. The, the lucky strike bowling. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so basically a building like identical to that, except for it's, it's a, a target, target inside. <laughs> so it's like kind of funny. The The front part's elevated and then there's a few steps down to like the rest of the store and it's huh. just weird. It doesn't sound like bowling alley is large enough for a target to me. It's a small target. It was like their, their city target concept. They were doing that for a bit, trying to make smaller targets inside urban areas Mm -hmm. i think it was just so they could facilitate online sales that you know people could just go pick it up at the the target close to them i don't know it was a bad idea so there were like three of these smaller concept targets in portland and those three are getting shut down and And they're blaming shoplifting but i i blame it was a bad idea that's what i think okay you're not blaming the former bowling alley well no i think it was a bad idea to put a target in an old bowling alley i would prefer to have the bowling alley Mm, me too yeah i'm pro bowling alley they originally had all the pin setters where the people who would check you out were they they scrapped that it was like two art deco or whatever yeah (laughs) yeah they used to have human pins anyway let's not even exactly yeah human pin setters that should be a different episode the human pin setter or just bowling we could go i could oh gosh yeah bowling has got so many why didn't i think of that we can do that later we can do that post-pregnancy when the kid's ready to bowl well not maybe not that long i mean okay are you talking like ready to bowl as in you use it as the bowling ball or are you talking no, I'd, about it? i'd be in trouble <laughs> i i think like ready to hang out in the stroller in a bowling alley okay yeah, that's good. Yeah, that would be all right. Okay. Probably. Just not tossing it down the lane. No, we're not. You know what? I'm going to save the bowling stories for later. Okay, let's do that. Save the other episode because yeah. like, this episode is a very specific topic. In fact, the premise of this episode. Yes. There you go. That's, that's what it is. Yeah, the premise of it. What is it? <laughs> exactly. But before we get into that. Oh, yeah. Let's get into what we got to get into. Yeah. Yeah. Let's ask you, uh, what have you been up to? As I hinted to, alluded, we're getting ready to have a baby Yes. in the next couple of weeks. So that's exciting. I've been at work, you know, working at school, doing the thing where I try to help kids with their self-esteem and reading and math and all that. Right. It's been interesting because I have an appropriate amount of like detachment from my job, like my emotions. Uh-huh. Like last year at this time, I was like a seething just wad of anger and disappointment about how work was going because of people and their decisions that I disagreed with and all that. Right. Mainly because things are different and they used to be like this and now they're like this and I don't like that. Right. This year I'm going to go on parental leave in a few weeks (laughs) and uh, I'm going to have a baby and 
None of that stuff that I got upset about really matters that much right now. <laughs> no, not at all. So that's really been nice, actually. Yeah, very cool. So how much parental leave do you get off from work? Lovely Oregon just enacted uh, paid family leave. So I can take 12 weeks of uh, family leave 12? within the first year. Yeah, so it's like three months. It's like It's like the FMLA... You know, but like the federal FMLA is like, you know, you can take 12 weeks off. It's not necessarily paid. It depends on the employer. Right. And then the state of Oregon recently passed a law saying, hey, we want everybody to be able to take time off with their kid or if there's another medical thing and at least get 12 weeks paid. So everybody gets taxed a little bit. And then there's this fund that pays that. So, wow, I think California has a similar thing. And maybe a couple other states. Not Arizona. Yeah, I can't tell you about Arizona. I mean, I you know, Arizona doesn't like to do stuff, so yeah. Well, as it stands now, I mean, I don't know if it's just that I work too much during the regular work year, but I've got so much time off I need to take before the end of the year because it all won't roll over, which is not something I've ever had to deal with in other jobs. I mean, it's great. Weird. Adding uh, 12 weeks of paid parental leave on top of that. Jeez, I don't know. That's like Yeah, you should find a baby. Well, <laughs> just find a baby. Okay, and... I'm glad you went that route and not the route of get someone pregnant. That's probably, yeah, just find a baby, just like randomly. It's like, oh, yeah, okay. hey, I just found this baby, like raising Arizona. You know, Ivy should go to unpainted Arizona. Maybe they have one of the, a baby they could loan me for a while. The Arizona quintuplets. Yep. Yeah, so the irony is, yes, um, in my job, I've been there for like 11 years. And like every year I get, you know, a certain amount of sick days and they've been accruing because I don't get sick that often. And so technically I have enough sick time that I could just take that amount of sick time. Oh, okay. I, but now that they change the law so that like it's paid leave then i'm supposed to take this paid leave and i can't use my sick i don't know it's confusing and that's more paperwork it's since it's a new program it seems like that nobody knows how it works so there's a learning curve there yeah you have the option to take it when you want right it's not like it's you have to take it consecutively you've got 12 no you can take it consecutively or you can take it intermittently or you can break it up into two chunks or Wow. You know, so I'm going to take some right when baby comes and then probably take the rest next fall. Okay. It'll, it'll be a mess for my employer. That's what I'm going to try to make it as difficult for my employer as possible. <laughs> um, be like, the law says you have to let me do this. Right. And then they'll be like, but we don't know how. And it's like, okay. You do know that they can listen to this episode, right? Oh, yeah. My employer. Yeah. You know what? They're busy right now. <laughs> Um, they're too busy figuring out how to deal with this paid parental leave change. Oh yeah. Well, the paid parental leave. Yeah. That, you know, that's the least of their problems right now. No. They got, um, they're bargaining with two job groups, at least maybe three. Oh Uh, yeah. It's bargaining time. And you know, you know what that means in 2023 America labor unions yeah the labor unions uh yeah people are feeling uh pretty unhappy about the states of their paychecks so yeah 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 Yeah, so this can turn very political so let's uh oh yeah no i'm just i'm i'm just gonna draw a line that some people aren't happy that's true what i've been up to a lot of games basically yeah yeah a lot of games yeah you went to the game party the big game party in seattle right oh you did no, you did. Oh, yeah, yeah. The Penny Arcade Expo. You did three episodes of yes, that. Yes, and uh, had a lot of fun there. Got some potential guests. I've got, in episode two, I talked about meeting Johnson and Daniel, and they want to be on the show. We're going to... Oh, that's cool. And then also, Billy, who made Animal Well, is going to hopefully be on the show coming up closer to when... He releases Animal Well, so. Ah. See, now you're being a legit, yeah, you're going way into the video game part with that. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, these folks have really interesting stories about their personal life and then also how they got to where they are. So I think it's, you know. Yeah, that's awesome. It's an interesting marriage of the two 
concepts of the show. So I'm excited to see how that develops. It'll be fun. I made some new friends there. So, but anyway, games that I've been playing, I mentioned Dave the Diver last week. Dave the Diver, like Bob the Builder, only no, that was a, no, no. It's he goes dives for the sushi. He dives for the. <laughs> for the fish and you have to level up your different weapons and instruments and you meet dolphins that i think are underwater sea people but i'm not quite sure yet because i'm not that far in the story you rescue them from poachers and then you've got people who are animal rights activists who are what telling you that you can't fish in the blue hole the story is progressing and it's still a lot of fun and it's still pretty relaxing I've hired on some people in my sushi restaurant, some cooks. Mm, right. That's the thing. Yeah. Deep sea diver by day, sushi restaurateur at by night. Exactly. And my standings are going up in the app that uh, right on. we talked about ridiculous fishing. And one of the things in ridiculous fishing is this fictitious app. Oh, yeah. You can look at your catalog and stuff. It's, it looks like a phone, but that's how you can you get your news and how you get hints and whatnot. Yeah. It's similar in Dave the Diver, except it's got more apps. It's more up to date. You mean Dave the Diver is more robust and fleshed out than Ridiculous Fishing? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it is. (laughs) It's got its one concept, but it does build on the complexity and how you have to find the fish and then level up your equipment. And right now I just got something where I can set a trap to catch these big fish and then you can send your little your little remote control thing to pick them up so you can use it for sushi and you can make lots of bucks off these. I think it's Sam. I don't know. You know, a fish is a fish, man. A fish is a fish. A salmon's a fish that lives in the ocean until it lives in a river. Right. And swims upstream or whatever. There is a word for that. but And, and I live in salmon country and it really should be like on the... The exam they make you take when you become an Oregonian, but... uh, It's not. It's not. They just... Basically, it's... They don't have an exam. But you know what they do have an exam for? What? In the uh, Multnomah County, that's the county that Portland's in. Yep. If you want to work in a restaurant, you got to get a food handler card. Okay. So, So to get the food handler card, you have to go to the county and take this quiz with 10 questions on it. Okay. And nine of the questions are about when you're supposed to wash your hands, which is every time. Right. And the other question is about how hot food should be. Huh. If you want to work in a restaurant, you got to go pay 10 bucks and uh, take a quiz that says, you know, you should wash your hands a lot when you work with food. And what temperature the food should be to serve it. And what temperature beef should be. And I I don't know. There's like, yeah, poultry is, yeah, 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 yeah. I took it one time for a reason. <laughs> was it Pringles related? No, it was not Pringles related, which is a shame. Yeah. Now we get back to the premise of this podcast. Yeah. Let me finish up the tons of games I've been playing really quickly. Yeah. You got Dave the Diver, which is kind of like a Baywatch slash Baywatch Nights vibe to it because he does one thing in the day and the other thing at night, right? Yeah. Kind of like that. Lifeguard by day. Private investigator by night. Exactly. It's, Magnum P.I. I was just about to say, it's kind of got a Magnum P.I.-ish cast. Oh, right, right, right. That's right. Really enjoying my time with that. Oh, by the way, uh, Dave the Diver was released by a company called Mint Rocket uh, this year. Mint Rocket. Mint Rocket. Mint yep. Rocket. Proud sponsor of no, Hot Honey not, Pringles. Uh, no, no, they're not <laughs> sponsoring anything. <laughs> I don't think they sponsor the Pringles. Pringles doesn't need sponsorship. No. But um, Okay, fine intermittently playing monster hunter now which is a game that uh, was released by the company that did pokemon go niantic right so i've been walking around with my phone hunting monsters at night so that's been fun ish started playing ratchet and clank rift apart by insomniac games for the playstation 5 it was one of the release titles i don't know if you ever heard of ratchet clank but it originally i believe came out in the PlayStation 2 era, it's a, it's a Lombax who's like the only one of its kind. He meets a robot, and together they have adventures. Well, this is Rift Apart. It's one where Ratchet and Clank and their counterparts in another dimension are, you know, working together to save the, the world from collapsing on itself. Yes. And that was after I completed a game, which we'll talk about in the actual game section. 
Also started playing Cyberpunk 2077's newly released Phantom Liberty DLC expansion. It's not really connecting with me, but the last time I completed the game was three years ago on the PlayStation 4. Cyberpunk 2077 had kind of a rocky start, but apparently they've redeemed themselves. There's a lot to talk about with that. I'm not a big fan of buying content post-launch, but this one has uh, Idris Elba in it, so it's okay. Idris Elba, here for it. Yep. But that is, that's what I'm up to. So lots of games, just lots. Let's move on to Andrew's Sensory Adventures. My Sensory Adventures. Yes. Not yet sponsored by Pringles. Um, This is the the third can from the, the trifecta that was first sent to me. Bye, Ben. We did French fries and ketchup, but it's actually just ketchup. We did the Philly cheesesteak. Smelled kind of like feet, but tasted like cheesesteak. And now we got hot honey, only at Walmart. We can talk about the Pringles tasting roadmap later on. (laughs) It's a roadmap. You know, for when we're going to do the other trifecta. Sprinkle the Pringles love out through the whole episode if we want. Yeah. Exactly. Are you ready for the... The The hot honey? I'm about... I'm about to pop the top. Okay, let's do it. Because once you pop, you can't stop. That's what I'm told. Okay, that's... Here we go. Pop the top. Wow. All right, so this is hot honey. When I smell it, it smells like Pringles. It just smells like normal Pringles? I'm not smelling anything that tells me hot. Honey's not coming through in the smell, but that's okay. The heat and the uh, sweetness from honey, I think that's more of a, a thing that you get from your taste buds rather than through the nose. That's true. So that's not stopping me. All right, I'm going to try it now. I'm going to try. The top chips in a Pringles can are always kind of chewed up. I mean, they're just broken around the edges. So they need to put some sort of baffle, some sort of a top that's cushioned in such a way that they need, they need to add more packaging to the No. I think I think they got it figured out because the little crumbs at the end they're they're kind of treat themselves. It's all right. Okay. I mean, I do like the perfect Pringles shape that you get sometimes, but and I don't know if this is just me, but these Pringles look a little smaller than other Pringles. Oh, really? It, it might just be my my eyes are tricking me. An optical illusion, or maybe Walmart is like, hey, it's the Walmart brand. We're going to make tinier Pringles, but I doubt that. I I don't want to disrespect walmart seeing as how they're a potential sponsor strike that they're a potential sponsor no no walmart they're the only place you can get the hot honey right i think uh i'm just i was just having a memory of being a child and eating pringles and as a child they were much bigger yeah but i i was much smaller so we'll try this we're looking for the heat and the honey you ready all right let's do it hmm so are you getting any heat or honey? Not much. No? I'm going to say it's another flame and medium experience. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's honey. It's it's a little sweet, but, and the heat is not near what the scorching whatever was that I had the other time. When you say hot, you're expecting a certain level, a certain number of Scovilles, I guess. Yeah. It sounds like it's very low, a low number. I would say this is like probably the I'm the least impressed by this Pringle variety of the of the ones we've tried. Okay. This is not This is a fail. It's a fail. It's I, I would say suspicious stew had more flavor than these guys. Okay. That's saying something too. It's not one of those situations where all the dust on the top got somehow distributed down the stack it's i'm gonna go i'm, I'm gonna drag one out from the middle and okay see let's it. try that yeah we'll try that we're gonna give them but i'm like no still it's consistently kind of lame yeah hmm i mean the honey's not very strong and neither is the hot yeah because there's a hot and sweet target that you can meet that makes things you know like sweet and sour sauce or, or whatever right yeah right but if this is neither What's a more appropriate name for this Pringles flavor? Semi-sweet burn. I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's, Semi-sweet skin irritation. Semi-sweet skin irritation. Yeah, yeah. It is. It's like the honey's not really. It's barely there. And then 
Well, the hot is barely there. It's um, well. I apologize for picking the wrong flavor, but this is a, an experiment anyway, right? So, I mean, we're gonna get some bad ones here. But you know, I think anybody who's like accustomed to eating takis or the whatever explode your head chips they have out there would like try that. And mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure what Pringles was aiming for, but maybe that's the reason they're only available at Walmart. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Remember, they were like, we cannot make this fly off the shelves at Circle K. So, let's make it an exclusive. Hey, Walmart. Yeah, we'll make it an exclusive. We'll trick people into buying it by saying you can only get it at Walmart. Right. We'll give them one good flavor in the Philly cheesesteak, but we're not giving them two of our good flavors. The ketchup, the French fries and ketchup was much, much more satisfying. Oh, okay. Even if the, the French fry part was, you know... Right. Built it, in. It, it didn't quite hit on the front and I got a, a second opinion from Catherine. She was not interested in the hot honey. Okay. In the Pringles defense, you know, I, I pretty much always have a hot honey here at home, so. Right. <laughs> okay, well, that's the conclusion of Andrew's sensory adventures. It wasn't that much of an adventure, sad to say, but. I mean, the premise itself seemed like it was going to be interesting. But it was not. No. You know, I'm, I'm excited about the uh, what's on the horizon for us here. For the Japanese flavors, I'm curious about what's going to happen with those because the curry flavor has the potential to be pretty hot, right? I, I am holding out some hopes for the Japanese flavors to actually really deliver on some stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I still recommend that you use your Google Translate on the actual container because there will be some comedy there. I can assure you. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That that will be my next um, TikTok. Right. <laughs> can I record the video while I do the Google Translate with my phone with that? I don't think so, but I've never tried. I can do a screenshot and then do a voiceover. Yeah. You could probably do that. Yeah. This is all how the sausage is made kind of here. But- how the sausage is made is... Uh, I try to do funny things with my phone and yep yeah sometimes they work cuz I'm uh, I'm borderline old yeah borderline right that's we're borderline old yeah this is true this not is true. officially old just borderline bo- borderline and just the fact that I'm reminded of Madonna by that <laughs> kind of is a an illustration yeah of how borderline it is keep on pushing my love over the anyway okay so let's get into the word what's the word today the word premise premise yes not to be confused with the word premises no premises that's it is the word premise i believe they 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 are related concepts the words are related they are related but there is sort of a venn diagram here where it works one way but it doesn't work the other way but we'll get into it when we talk about the word there's nuance yeah one word is very specific about a certain kind of thing where right yes let me just say the definition then and then we can oh yeah do that because i'm getting vague i'm getting too vague (laughs) and we need a definition I am looking at the Merriam-Webster dictionary today. The word premise, a noun, one of two. There's a verb as well. Uh, The noun is a proposition anecdotally supposed or proved as a basis of argument or inference. Oh, especially in the in the context of logic, yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. A previous statement or preposition from which another is inferred or follows as a conclusion. Are you looking at the definition here? Um, you know what? I just Googled premise definition, and then I think this one comes from Oxford Languages. Oh, okay. But... Specifically, either of the first two propositions of a syllogism from which a conclusion or the conclusion is drawn. If the premise is true, then the conclusion must be true. That's that's really bad. We've also got something assumed or taken for granted. Presupposition is another. Yeah. Premise, also premises, premises, plural. Matters previously stated, specifically the preliminary and explanatory part of a deed or of a bill in equity. Mm -hmm. How about this? I got, this is... The Cambridge Dictionary. Okay. An idea or theory on which a statement or action is based. That's a good one. It doesn't seem as wishy-washy as some of the other ones. Yeah. Oh, hey, there is a kid's definition. 
I kind of like these. Maybe I'll just do the kids' definitions because these are nice and short and sweet. They have premise as a statement taken to be true and used as a basis for argument or reasoning. That's another good, yeah. very specific one too. That's pretty. That's pretty good. That's yeah. that's good in there. Yeah. But they also have in the kids' definition the plural, which is what we kind of alluded to, which is plural of premise. Yes, the premises which is a piece of land with the buildings on it. Piece of land with the buildings on it. But that is the plural. A building or a part of a building usually with its grounds. So that is premises. You cannot go backwards from that. Premises. Yes. Some people would like to say. Some people say. Or premises. Yes. Premises. I don't know who says premises. Probably I would if I was trying to be pretentious. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Premises and premise are two different words, but premises is plural by its nature, but you cannot call a premises singular a premise. But you can call multiple premises premises. Very interesting, I think. Premise, premises. It's kind of like that whole thing with regime and regimen. Are you oh. familiar with those words? Yeah, regime and regimen. Yeah. Some people use them interchangeably. Ooh. But if you look at the definitions of regime and regimen, it's very interesting because the archaic version of each one of the words is the opposite. So if you look at it, if you look at regime, one of the archaic uses is the regimen and then also if you look at regimen, one of the archaic uses is regime. I see what you're saying. They are closely related words that at some point people switched where they use them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, who knows with what is going on with the word premise, maybe eventually it will come to mean, I mean, if it's if it's used, a single place, but right now it's not. I've never heard anyone ever use it that way. Okay. In real life, I don't know. Yeah. Have I? I have, and it bothers me. You have. No, yes, you have. We gotta, Let's not get yes, into it, that. We're not getting into that. I was, I was trying to give you an out. Okay, well, no, thank no. you. Thank you. No. <laughs> I was like, nobody does that. No. Nobody calls the company campus a premise. No, they don't. Well, a premise is the basis for... Uh, uh, the, Nice sketch comedy bit. And actually, that's one of the first things I think of is sketch comedy bit. But what is your first thought when you hear the word premise? I will think, I think usually I think of like the basic idea that that a story is based on. Like if someone's telling me about a movie or a TV show Mm -hmm. or a video game, they'll be like, the basic, oh, this is the the thing, the main thing that happens in is is this, you know. Sort of an elevator pitch kind of thing but it's story related or might be related to the mechanics of a game possibly oh, yeah it could be it was especially you know it's a, a game i guess i was thinking more like you, you know the story driven games that you like right let's go back to the dave the diver thing you can pitch that as saying well it's part spearfishing part sushi restaurant and that's the premise right right and those are the game mechanics that are and also the story, I guess, by relation. But yeah, we talk about the premise of uh, Baywatch Nights. Yeah, what is it's that? <laughs> lifeguard Mitch Buchanan moonlights as a private investigator. How long did that last? I don't know. I never, wa- I never really watched either of those shows. It was one of those things where I would be like, I, w- I need to know that this show ex- exists, and I don't want to watch it. David Hasselhoff, yeah. Who's David Hasselhoff? Isn't he that musician? Oh, yeah. He had a concert at the Berlin Wall. Yep. Right while it was coming down. Oh, my God. Or before it was coming down or after. I don't know. He was also in Dodgeball. He was in Dodgeball? He was the coach and inspiration of the German Dodgeball team. And then when they lost, he cussed them out. He did the theme song for Kung Fury. He did? Yeah. (laughs) I'm glad you know of Kung Fury. Oh, I is love Kung Fury. That is such a great, great, like a mini episode kind of thing. And then uh, one of the guys who's in Lonely Island was Hitler. He played Hitler. So. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine. That it. explains the laser raptors. The laser raptors. <laughs> <laughs> this is- 
if you have not seen Kung Fury, definitely look it up. Yeah, look it up. There was yeah. talk of a movie, like an actual full-length movie, but its I don't think you want to do that. Leave it because it's fine. I feel like, like, how long was it? Like 20 minutes? or Yeah, about 20 minutes. Yeah, yeah. something like that. It was... It was a solid 20 minutes. Yeah. Show. Yeah. Yeah. And it had some really cool sort of like making fun of 80s things, essentially. Right. Yeah. So. There was like a Triceracop, right? Right. Triceracop. <laughs> <laughs> was your street laced partner. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. They pulled every toy out of the box. Yeah, that was good. Definitely worth checking out if you haven't checked out worth checking Kung out. Fury. So the premise of Kung Fury. Go ahead and do that. The premise of Kung Fury was that. What the hell was the premise? Uh, it was a time travel cop. Kung Fury had to go back to the past to use his Kung Fu power to. Defeat Hitler. Oh, t- defeat the Kung Fuhrer. Right. Right. Because Hitler was going to get the power of Kung Fury and he needed to stop that. His partner died and then he became a lone wolf when it came to being a police officer. Then his boss said to him, I mean, maybe I'm going too far into it. It's just like your buddy cop picture tropes and then also your Kung Fu movie tropes and then just anything. Plus 80s. time travel trope. Yeah, exactly. And the the time machine was like sweet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was like a time deck, right? Yeah, it was a Nintendo Power Glove, I think, wasn't it? It was a back- <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> the Nintendo Power Glove was definitely involved. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he's going to hack time. It was time. like the, and was there was the, the nerd at the computer like hacking time. Yeah, it was like Talk about premises. What was that like 2012, 2013, you know? It's yeah, aged well. I think so. Yeah. But it's, it holds up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Every once in a while, I'll just whip it out and watch it. There is a list of things that I will do that with. One of them is this video called Rotate Your Owl, where they take some old footage of scientists showing you how owls' heads remain stationary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and then they just sing a song in, in the back called Rotate Your Owl. Rotate Your Owl. Ro, ro, rotate Your Owl. Premise is everything, man. I mean, anything that's an idea. Yeah, premise is an idea that you can base anything else off of. That's a premise. And it doesn't have to be good. It can be a bad. It can be a bad premise, like hot honey. That's a kind of a bad premise. <laughs> right, <but laughs> right. No offense, Pringles. We got this big block of butter. Let's use it as a doorstop. That's, that Ooh. doesn't, that's not a good yeah. idea. That's a premise. It's a premise. But it's not a good premise does it lead to a satisfactory conclusion yes this is this is the question (laughs) whether it does or not it has nothing to do with the premise itself right it's an assessment you make after the fact it's a post-mortem if you will if you will if you will (laughs) and i will will. what if i won't well (laughs) if you won't if you will if you won't is there anything else you think of with premise Um, before i get into my Premise Beach. Premise Beach. <laughs> did you see that? I did see that. Oh my gosh. Premise Beach. Did you ever get into Kids in the Hall? The Kids in the Hall I show? loved Kids in the Hall. Yeah. Yeah. They did a newer series a couple of years ago and I saw one episode of it and I was like, I love this. And then I forgot to go back. Yeah. I think it's an Amazon series because they also have a two-part documentary on the creation and then also when they stopped doing their thing and went their separate ways and then also coming back to doing the comedy again mm-hmm. and they were a traditional comedy troupe that would perform in various venues and that's how they met and did that kind of like you would like improv places but yeah you know when they came up with their sketches and they worked on them and finally hbo said okay you can do it and then told them okay well no you can't do it you're gonna be canceled but then someone else said no don't cancel them <laughs> but anyway it's a really interesting documentary lauren michaels <laughs> well lauren michaels has pull right so if anyone yeah at some point lauren michaels got involved lauren but... michaels everyone does a lauren Mi- they even say about this lauren. they even say in the show that everyone does a lauren michaels impression and it's true they do they <laughs> kind of sounds like Dr. Evil. In fact, I think Dr. Evil... Oh, it's probably based on Lauren, yeah. I think I saw the making of... Yeah. And it was Lauren Michaels. Anyway, 
Kids in the Hall does this sketch in their first season. I guess it's meta. It's, it's meta, yeah. It's making fun of the whole process of writing and comedy, how you come up with this premise and then you kind of write around the premise. It's not like you craft a joke. You come up with the premise and then how is this premise funny, right? Mm-hmm. There was two of them. The first one's my favorite. The second one where they're people who have presence as heads. I didn't like that as much as the the first one, which was what if a person ran for office who really shouldn't have bothered. That was... <laughs> and then... We got a meat hand! The, right. The, the punchline was, guy has a meat hand! <laughs> yeah. And just the sound that that meat hitting the guy's hand when he's shaking his hand makes that's that to me is the part that i laugh at every time just the wet sort of slapping sound it makes yeah did you have a favorite kids in the hall sketch oh boy i I, now i have to think back because i really i kind of like the 30 helens agree thing (laughs) 30 helens agree is a classic premise yes (laughs) 30 helens agree hawaii was better before (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yep but like I, it sure was yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah they had a whole bunch of yeah that's that love was like one of their classic interludes between different parts of the episode right 30 helens agree i always thought it was funny just how people make up statistics like four out of five dentists you know it's like that's a made-up statistic i'd like to see some data Really? Four out of five dentists? How many did you survey? Just five. Just five. The four of them, like, yeah, they just... And we gave them free gum, too. I also like the Francesca Fiore and Bruno Putz Jones saga. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> is that the one with where is he? What is he thinking of? Is he thinking of me? Was that Francesca Fiore? She might have been in that. Yeah, because, like... I think so. I think that might have been a Francesca Fiore. No. The one thing I one I remember a lot is their uh, trial and divorce court. And Bruno Putz Jones is like his uh, argument is that that she beats him, and then her defense was, "Look at him, I can't help it." And the judge is like, "Here, come over here." And then you know Bruno goes over, and the judge slaps him. He's like, "It's true, you can't help it." <laughs> <laughs> the head crusher was. Uh, I'm not a big fan of the head crusher personally, but it was kind of funny. Like the whole Rocky Balboa sort of saga where he gets knocked down, but then he comes back stronger and kind of you know, yeah. making fun of those types of things. The little kid who has the battle against the devil, the guitar battle, and he uses the holy trinity of rock, which is smoke on the water. Smoke on the water. B A B D A B A B. Anyway. <laughs> Oh, two of my favorites of Kids in the Hall, the Dr. Seuss Bible, I always thought was hilarious. And then another one was the Buddy Holly sketch. Did you ever see that one? I did, but I can't remember what it what they did with it. Buddy Holly. Kevin plays Buddy Holly, which is just perfect. And he gets drunk before they get in the plane. And he's complaining about how Big Bopper is smelling and whatever. And he's like, I can do whatever I want. I wrote Peggy Sue. You know, just like (laughs) going on and on about how he's on the top of the world. Who knows what great songs he'll write, blah, blah, blah. And then he has the idea that he's going to let his monkey fly the plane. So he's got this little rhesus monkey in a a box that he goes. And then at the closing, you've got Big Bopper saying, Hey, buddy, what's that monkey doing flying the plane? (laughs) Yeah, they just had some really good sketches. Amazon is in my rotation, and every once in a while I will get Amazon Prime and then stop it really quick. But during that time when I have the Amazon Prime, I can access the yeah, the shows the yeah. shows and the videos and whatnot. So maybe the next time I do that for a month, I'll check it out. Because I didn't realize that they had gotten back together again and done some original material. So here's a, a question I have. I mean, you write comedy because you wrote your... Larry, the horrible my, time traveler, right? Right. The, the first volume of my trilogy of time travel novels. Was the premise, the kernel, that 
absurd. Like, what if there was a guy who was a time traveler who didn't really want to do it, but just kind of fell into it, and and he was just really bad at it. He's really bad at it. He didn't even know he was doing it. Yeah. Is that what you started out with? And then you write around that and then build other premises, other situations off of that premise? Yeah, that was the premise. It was basically, the idea was that somebody... uh at a taco truck was uh, making tacos out of coelacanth, uh-huh. which is this like primordial prehistoric looking fish that almost has legs. Right. Yeah. And so people have them on the making fun of Darwin stickers. Are those stickers making fun of Darwin? Or are they championing Darwin? I don't know. You're right. They're not making fun of Darwin. They're making fun of people who have the Jesus fish. Yeah. Stickers on there. Anyway. Yeah, I know. And it's like, well, that premise is a little thin, but (laughs) you've been working on this for a while now, right? As far as your, Uh, uh, yeah, listen, I'm not saying that as a negative. No, it's, it's been with me like the first book. Yeah. I started probably yeah in 2012. Yeah. It took me a couple of years to write that. And then I decided I needed to, I wanted to do a, a follow-up so i started writing the follow-up which mm-hmm. coincidentally I, I was like oh i'm gonna do this i'm gonna put it on a patreon and that's gonna help me get keep me honest and make me keep writing that premise didn't work probably i think i started that like two months before covid started oh, okay so i got started out pretty strong on writing because you know what else was i gonna do right i mean you know it was it was good and not what else i could have done lots of stuff and i i did all kinds of stuff covid was great it was great for a homebody like me, mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, I did some writing and so I got started on uh, sequel and now I'm, I'm really close to, to the conclusion of the second book, mm-hmm. but I've been having trouble getting around to writing it partly because I keep doing other projects. Right. I'm like, Oh, this looks fun. Let's go do that. And then, well, you also said something interesting to me. Which is, you've got the idea, but part of this is you're writing a character out of the script and you don't want to do it. Uh, that is, that's part of it. So, okay, here is, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's complicated because um, I've got a character that's, that's been there. It's, he's like, I don't know, a foil to one of the main characters. Like, he's not a, he's not a villain, he's just sort of like, yeah, I don't want to give away too much. He's an important character. Right. But, you know, there's a, you know, I had to realize, you know, there was going to be this certain part of his arc that tied him into another character. And then I realized like, oh, yeah, the situation is right. This is where he's going to, you know, die mm-hmm. gloriously or, you know, whatever. But it's a little bit hard for me to get to writing that part. Cause Especially when you have connections with the characters that you're building, right? Yeah, the main character, Larry. He got this uh, weird taco with made with the dinosaur fish in uh, 1993, and that uh, triggered his uh, time traveling. Mm-hmm. He was really into Nirvana. And then it was going to be uh, coming up on the 20th anniversary of Kurt Cobain's passing. And I realized that I needed to finish the book because... I didn't want Larry to find out that Kurt had died. And I was like, if I stop writing before the 20th anniversary of Kurt Cobain's death, then I don't have to break this horrible news to him. (laughs) Okay. I know. um, But that helped me finish up the, you know, get through the first first narrative. Then I had to go back and do rewrites. Do you think that it's common for the writer to develop relationships with their own characters like that. It seems to me a, a unique thing. You're just writing this. It's like you can write whatever you want, yeah. but you want it to be meaningful and you want to do these characters justice. But I mean, having those types of relationships with your own characters, do you think a lot of authors do that? Or is it just kind of like, well, I'm writing this story. I mean, it's all conjecture. It is a good question. I think... I think a lot of authors do have some deep uh, emotional connections to their characters, mm-hmm. you know, because they sort of live with the voices of these characters in their heads for years as they're coming up with the, you know, if it's a novel, it takes a long time to write that. And But then there's some of these authors that just crank out stuff 
as if they were like a chat GPT themselves. Right. You know, for example, some of like your just frequent flyers on the bestseller list, like, you know, James Patterson, it, there was a while where it seemed like he was cranking out a book a month and it's like, well, does he have that kind of connection with his characters? Maybe he does. Yeah. I don't know. What is it? The guy who wrote Pelican Brief and the guy who wrote... Pelican uh, Brief. Oh, John, John Grisham. John Grisham is one of those guys that I think that just kept on cranking. To some extent, Michael Crichton he's, also. He's more... He, yeah. I mean, John Grisham is like a, more of a book a year kind of guy. Uh-huh. Whereas like James Patterson, it was like when I was working at Bookman's, it was like every month there'd be a new James Patterson book. And it was like, how is this guy doing it? Okay. And like the truth is like, he's got ghostwriters and right. You know, it, it, it's more of a franchise than, but it's fine. It's, it's entertainment. You know, I'm not, I'm right. not dissing James Patterson. It's kind of a comic book sort of way of releasing content like monthlies, right? Yeah. If that's the approach, then it makes sense that if you write it for a comic book, you can do the same for just a regular book. You, you, you can do that. And like, it's not like he's all, you know, it's not like every one of his books is the same series, you know, like multiple series going on. And right. some of them would have credited co-writers on the covers and some don't. And then he's got the ones for kids and the young adults. And it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's just right. a powerhouse. Whereas like John Grisham seems like he'd do like a solid book a year which that's a good that's a good pace you know michael Crichton also right michael Crichton, yeah he would be yeah i i feel like his production like yeah he wasn't too crazy like he would spend a little more time on each book but okay. they would get big right they would get very large and then you have uh, the robin cook also was one of those ones that i thought yeah it sort of yeah it's like similar you know doctor turn author kind of thing but then until that trend subsides just keep on cranking them out until how many times can i rewrite coma yeah exactly with michael Crichton, i feel like a lot of his stories were a reworking of andromeda strain but oh okay but that's from me watching the movies right Right. i'm like oh Jurassic Park's andromeda strain except for it's dinosaurs instead of space virus right right Oh, Congo is Andromeda strain, except it's monkeys. <laughs> Sphere is Andromeda strain, except for it's a spaceship. Right. So it's like every every movie kind of has that. Oh, here's this collection of experts from various fields called in to investigate this problem. It's a recycled premise, is what you're saying. Well, I don't know. I think the structure was the same. Like the premise would always be slightly different, but it was the structure, the structure. that kept, okay, gotcha. Yeah. Which, you know what? People like that. They like consistency. They like consistency. Yeah. Especially in New York Times bestsellers or whatever. People want to know what they're going to read. Right. I would say for a lot of books, a lot of popular fiction, like I really shouldn't diss the format. It it works. And yeah, and this is not dissing him. It's like people write differently with artwork. I know I'm going to connect with something. The connection that someone has with one of my pieces of art is going to be totally different than what my connection is to it, whether it's positive or not positive, right? It's like other people connect to whatever you put out in different ways. So if it's popular, it's popular. I don't know. So why isn't there a movie of uh, a movie or video game of Larry the Horrible Time Traveler yet? I don't know. There should be. Well, you know, there's something going on in Hollywood right now. No, I, <laughs> I'm going to blame it on the, <laughs> the writer's strike is, uh, no. Is it nearing the end? I thought they made some sort of people are going back to work with a preliminary sort of agreement. The Writers Guild got a tentative agreement. Gotcha. I think that the actors are still. They'll probably get sorted out soon. Hmm. I, I have this feeling that if the studios, you know, figured something out with the writers, then they'll be able to figure out something with the actors too. Because it sounds like. Figuring it out with the writers means that, yeah, we want to get back to business. So I I feel like, yeah, yeah, I hope that works out. Yeah, me too. Me too. Just for, you know, who wants to be on the picket line in L.A. in November? The weather is just too nice. <laughs> Maybe it's that. Maybe that's what it is. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, you want, to, you want to be striking in the middle of summer where it's really crappy out. Really hot. Right. 
So, I mean, my creative process is different and it's like I have connections with my artwork, whatever that artwork is. It's mostly uh, drawing, paintings, stuff like that. But it's it's different when you're writing characters and it's like you have to take them across a certain storyline. And some of that means that there has to be impactful, meaningful deaths of characters that you like. And that's part of yeah. writing an effective book i think did you ever see the movie stranger than fiction i don't think so stranger than fiction oh it sounds familiar but 2006 film romantic comedy with will ferrell emma thompson dustin hoffman maggie gyllenhaal queen latifah and tony hale those are the top build folks tony hale it's basically this guy all of a sudden starts hearing a voice in his head who's the author that's writing his character. Right. I remember seeing the trailer for this, yeah. It's actually a really good movie. Dustin Hoffman does a good job as kind of the college professor who's sort of trying to help, but he's trying to figure out more for the mystery of it and trying to figure out who's writing his storyline. And then they figure out it's someone who writes novels that are very dark where the main character always dies oh and then you're like oh no yeah i'd say it's worth checking out it's one of those ones that i think is overlooked as far as a good picture written by zach helm so Uh, this is the 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 premise of that film sort of reminded me of a trailer i just recently saw for an upcoming film oh okay featuring one uh that little known actor named nicholas cage oh okay yeah well yeah you might have heard of him i don't know no um nicholas coppola yep secret coppola nicholas kim coppola he the the movie it's um it's called dream scenario okay people keep having these like dreams and then there's just like this guy in the background and like all these people are like yeah i saw that guy in my dreams too and the guy is this character that nicholas cage plays Okay. There's no real explanation for why he's in everybody's dreams, but it's just, it's, but yeah, I don't know. Huh. It looks like an interesting premise that. Yeah, it could be. For some reason, but it's like, it's not, it's like a bald bearded Nicolas Cage. (laughs) It's like. Okay. (laughs) You know, sometimes, sometimes a Nicolas Cage movie, it's uh, something he does to pay the bills and sometimes. This one looks like it's pretty cool. Couldn't be any worse than Kiss of Death. David Caruso. I totally saw that one. Yeah. I think I hated it. That sounds like like mid-90s. Is that what that was? Yeah, mid-90s. Yep, 1995. Exactly mid-90s. Yep. Oh, gosh. I'm looking. Those, they were little tiny babies back then. Look at that Oh, one. yeah. Did you see the movie Amos and Andrew? I don't think I saw it, but I heard about 1993 it. 1993 film with Nicolas Cage and Samuel Jackson. Right. Oh, boy. American action, buddy action comedy. I remember seeing it and I probably didn't get it. Yeah. But you look at the cast, you're like, ooh, Honeymoon in Vegas. That was a fun one. You're just reading all the Nicolas Cage I'm movies. I'm reading now. that and Nicolas, I'm looking at the list of uh, Nicolas Cage's filmography. He's been in a lot of movies. He was in Fast Times. I think he was uncredited, but he was in probably. Fast Times as one of the football players. He's a background Coppola. Yeah. Yeah. Incognito. He's just this powerhouse of productivity here. Sorry, I went down uh, the Nicolas Cage rabbit hole. Let's talk about the premise of Nicolas Cage movies. Yeah. Which there are some weird ones. But anyway. Well, you you brought up uh, Raising Arizona earlier, so it's not entirely my fault. No. it's So it's mine, <laughs> I guess. It's my fault. All roads lead to Nicolas Cage. <laughs> <laughs> so we we talked about briefly a little bit about video game premises oh right yeah do you have a, any video game related premises that you think about at all because there is an article in cracked magazine 12 great video games with ridiculous premises article super mario brothers an italian pluma travels through a brightly colored fantasy world Collecting coins and mushrooms. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. He crushes turtles and goobas to death in order to rescue a princess from being raped by a dinosaur who pilots an airship. Yeah, that's a... You are a robot built from the ground up. Mega Man, yeah. For combat by the world's greatest living mind. And yet, you are four feet tall and incapable of ducking. 
or using any weapons other than a tiny, slow-moving pellet of energy. You've been tasked with killing other robots whose powers have themes like leaves and garbage. Tatra says, quick, bricks are falling. Make them interconnect so they'll disappear. Don't question it. It's all for the good of Mother Russia. That's the that's the premise of yeah, Tatra's. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like someone was on a deadline. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> a premise that has a connection to you, sort of. I know that you like community. I recently finished this game by Squanch Games, which originally they were called Squanch Tendo. I know who Squanch is. Do you ever watch Rick and Morty? I, w- I watched the first few seasons, and then I think I got enough. Yeah, it just seems like more of the same kind of thing. Yeah. I think I've watched all the seasons, but it, it kind of Pickle Rick jumped the shark for me. Yeah, I think that was about when I was like, oh, Pickle Rick, yeah, okay. I mean, you have some interesting concepts in Dan Harmon. So yeah, Dan Harmon, yeah. Yeah, he's involved in all the writing. Well, Squanch Games is a studio that was started by Justin Roiland. The problematic Justin Roiland, yeah. yeah. Not in season seven of Rick and Morty, apparently. No. Something is off about the voices, but it could be Justin Roiland doing different voices. <laughs> so I don't know. The reason I mention the problematic Justin Roiland in his game studio, Squanch Games, is I completed a game recently called High on Life. The premise of High on Life is aliens find Earth and discover that if you smoke human beings, you can get high and it's a new drug. So they go to Earth to take humans so they can smoke them in their bongs. It's a weird premise. It's, well... (laughs) It gets even weirder because there's a race of beings called Gatlians that are guns that talk. <laughs> Essentially, you are talking with your gun the entire time. You're a silent protagonist, though. This game has all sorts of hidden sort of things that are supposed to be funny. It's got the humor. <laughs> okay. You know the over-the-top sort of gross-out, being despicable people kind of humor that's in rick and morty mm-hmm. you know how that you know you have that kind of character yeah. in in rick Sanchez mostly but i mean in other characters too it's a first person shooter game you rescue these gatlians and you rescue humans you're a high schooler of course who meets this gatlian and then finds out that you are really good at being a bounty hunter so then you go out and you try and Take down members of the G3, which is the crime organization that's going to Earth to harvest the humans so they can make drugs out of them. Okay. Yeah. It's not funny. That That's the problem. It's kind of going along the lines of Rick and Morty. In fact, Justin Roiland is one of the first guns that you come across. Uh-huh. And so he is the one that you talk to the most. They have other actors that play the different other guns. But it's, I don't know, it's just a thoroughly mediocre first-person shooter platformer game. I, I, I don't know what else to say about it. It's, yeah. I mean, the premise is is an interesting premise, but I don't care about the characters. I don't care about this high schooler. It felt like it was written as a joke Because they do some meta humor about how games work. Mm -hmm. Okay, here here you go. Here's the training thing where you got to hit the button twice for double jump. It's like, oh, no, we don't have double jump. We we have ducking. You can duck. You know, and it's like some of these things are, it's funny a little bit, but it's just not. Yeah. It's not as funny as I wanted it to be. I wanted it to be Dan Harmon funny say what you will about the other seasons of Rick and Morty that you didn't see, but it, it has a story and characters that you connect with on some level, even Rick sometimes. Right. Right. So that's my disappointing experience recently, which led me to play a game like Ratchet and Clank, which gave me joy. Yeah. It was a well done platform game involving these silly guns that you level up and you know they have things like homing saw blades, but it's also got cute and clever humor in it and it's well written. It might not be the most groundbreaking story ever, but it was it's nice and wholesome and has funny parts and it's fun to play and 
and high on life is none of that. It's a sucky ratchet clank, essentially. Yeah, that's kind of um, I I can see that like that without the Dan Harmon magic, the the Justin Roiland stuff is just about swearing and being gross and and I'm not okay. Let me just say I'm not passing judgment on him. Some people find this funny. In fact. There are people who rank this game very highly saying it is a funny game. I just didn't find that brand of humor funny. I, th- I think you can you can pass judgment on Justin Roiland. <laughs> okay. okay. I, I think we can judge him for being uh, abusive to his partner and... Yeah. And taking advantage of people who were fans of his work. And also, like, I, I heard him on an episode of Harmontown... Uh-huh. It might have been pre Rick and Morty even, but um, his like world, his viewpoint on the world's very dark, and just like made me sort of worried about him as a person. Like I read an article where Dan Harmon, I mean, they were talking about he finally kind of broke the silence about Justin Roiland. I guess I don't remember what the article was, other than he said that the last time he spoke to him, he was really worried about him. And said a few things, but then it ended up breaking up their friendship, essentially. It just kind of ended badly. Just to be obtuse, you know, that's just the way he was in you know, Dan Harmon. I mean, Dan Harmon is at least, he knows he's got some problems and he work, and he's working on them. That's the thing. Yeah. Exactly. And that's what he said in the article, too. It's like, listen, I'm the last person to criticize, but... There are things that you do and you've got to take responsibility and if you want to change them, change them. One of the other things I want an illustration about how unfunny this whole thing is, there's a bit with where you need to put goop on you in order to get into some sort of level, I guess. It's like goop. And then it comes to light that it's actually alien cum. Uh, <sighs> really? I, do we need to go there? Yeah. I know. Exactly. And that's the thing. It's like, it's not funny. Yeah. I was expecting Dan Harmon level writing and I got yeah. subpar writing game dynamics that were okay, but definitely not quality. Right. Pretty easy to play through the whole game on myself. They released, they recently announced DLC for it which is about this talking knife that you have. He wants to cut people, so he always talks about... See, the, the whole premise, it's like these talking weapons, right? The knife has bloodlust and always gets really excited when he gets to cut people's parts off. and The uh, design to really appeal to like a 13-year-old boy mentality. In what time frame, right? 13-year-old boys now are different than 13-year-old boys back when we were growing up. There probably are some commonalities, I guess. You have more exposure to 13-year-old boys. That's not, that's not, I'm not going to say that. That's not a good thing to say. <laughs> but you know, I you know would, what I mean? I've never exposed myself to a 13-year-old boy. How dare you? Let's just say that for the record. You have contact with them as a part of your job, right? You have contact with children as a part of your job. Are there commonalities in the way humor hits that, age range that's similar the way it hit for us well yeah what what am i thinking about i'm thinking like the the kids i hung out with in middle school there was some pretty raunchy humor going on with them right and so it's sort of like why i never really liked watching south park that much yeah because it was all the same jokes that i heard on the bus in in the eighth grade that's it too yeah yeah, so there's that, and then, then there's a certain kind of like you know violent or sexual humor or violently sexual humor that comes from not really understanding how to handle the hormones that are going on, right? And nobody actually wants to talk to kids that age about yeah, your hormones are hijacking you and yeah. I mean, no, actually, that's the way they do talk about it. So the kids then don't really want to, like, talk or listen. And then and then it just kind of shuts down communication. It has the opposite effect of what you want. Yeah. Yeah. Shame-based way of addressing puberty that um, sort of makes the maladaption being this kind of humor. And yeah. Yeah. Alien come. That's the goop. Yeah. I think you hit the nail on the head with South Park. 
type humor, like people finding that stuff funny. I like something that was clever, referentially clever, but there is an audience for that kind of humor. It's just not me. So yeah. And I probably won't play the DLC about the knife that gets into his backstory. Cause I don't care about the knife's backstory. <laughs> so anyway, the talking knife Does it, is the talking knife named Mac. No, he is not named Mac. No. He is Australian though, or at least his accent is Australian. I don't think I want to play it either. Yeah, don't yeah. play it. Not worth it. Well, do you want to wrap up the show? Yeah, let's wrap it up. Your final words on the word premise. Jeez, it's just such a vast, it's anything having to do with creativity, I think. Yeah, basically anything, any idea that you can base anything off of is a premise. Yeah. So that's cool. But it's not a premises. Premises is uh, some real estate and some buildings. Yeah. That's what it is, right. That's what it is. Get yourself off the premises. Right. Doesn't it get sucked into the minutia of the definition? The premise premises? Or the premises premise. Yeah. yeah. Premises premise. Ooh, whoa. What? That will be my legal thriller. The premises premise. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to write that down on my, my vision board. Okay. Excellent. <laughs> my, my project whiteboard. Things I should write one day. The premises premise. So we just sent that metaphor up into itself so there we go that's a good enough stopping point i think (laughs) i think so (laughs) (laughs) well andrew once again thank you for joining us really appreciate you helping out right on well i mean you know i really uh like you being on the show i enjoy it one of our biggest fans loves you on the show too and she says uh, she says hello our biggest fan yeah yeah all right hello biggest fan yes um <laughs> she used to have her own mailbag now she does not thank you audience for joining us on this week's episode of the two vague podcast my name is ben my name is andrew and we've been your hosts have a wonderful evening or at least a premise of a wonderful evening have a wonderful evening on the premises of your premise <laughs> bye <laughs> bye <laughs>